Today, we acknowledge everything that mothers do for their families. Um, I just celebrate you and I applaud you for all that you pour into your family. Um, Well, my kids have been on this Mother's Day countdown for about a month. And this is the first year that they've gotten really excited about it. But they keep saying, Mommy, how many more days till Mother's Day? And then Kale will drop hints about, you know, what he's making for me. And it's really exciting. And so I have a picture of my kids to update you. Um, Those are my sweet little babies. Kale is six years old. Cade is four years old. Karis, she's the little mama. She likes to control what goes on in the house. She is three years old. And then our little Spitfire baby who gets into everything is Case, and he's one year old. And he likes the spotlight, so that picture is very appropriate. Um, And so I cannot wait to get their gifts today, and I'm sure that I'm just going to tuck it away in a special little box, and in 30 years, I'm going to ball on Mother's Day reading their old card to me, Um, and I just, I love being a mom. And you know, as much as I know I'm going to love their gift today, I know that as their mother, I have a greater gift to pass on to my children. And so today, I want to share with you from this thought, and I want to encourage you from this thought Pass it on. Well, I enjoy a lot of things. And one of the simple pleasures of life that I enjoy is watching track and field on television. Um, In fact, I was a track star at one time in my life. Um, You can check out my form right here. Um, This was my second grade year. And in this track and field meet, I received a lot of blue ribbons and medals. Unfortunately, my sprinting career didn't last much longer past second grade. And so um, I was transitioned into long-distance running. And that is where I was introduced to the 4x400 relay and the 4x800 relay. Okay, here's why I like a good relay. A relay race has four segments. So there are four runners. And it also has a baton. And this baton is passed from one runner and to the next until the race is complete, until it's finished. Now, here's the key. If the baton is dropped or if it's improperly passed in the passing zone, your team is disqualified. So your baton can basically make or break you in a relay race. And friends, in life, we have all been given a baton. This baton symbolizes the legacy that we are passing down to the next generation. And today you may be here and you're saying, I don't have anything to pass down. Or you may think, I'm too young to pass anything down. But the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, that the older women are to instruct and to teach the younger women. So as long as there are younger women on the planet... Ladies, you have something to pass on. Men, you're not disqualified from this. You have something to pass on. And young person, don't disqualify yourself. Don't discredit what you have to pass on because of your age. You have something to pass on. So today, ladies and men, young or old, single or married... We all have something of value to pass on. So the question today is, what are you doing with your baton? What does your legacy look like? What are you passing down? Have you dropped your baton 
or are you moving forward in life towards your godly legacy? Well, today there are three things that I want to share, three things that we should pass down to the next generation. The first is this, live for God. First Corinthians 11.1 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Living our lives committed to God is the most powerful example of what it is to be Christ-like. When we live our lives committed to God, our children and the next generation, they get a glimpse of who God is. You know, our kids will see firsthand if our daily talk matches our godly walk. They will know if it's the real deal. They will know if it's just a label we wear to feel good about ourselves or if it is truly the life that we live. Um, I am enormously thankful for the godly legacy that was passed down to me. And my legacy starts with my grandparents. Both my paternal and maternal grandparents loved God, lived for God, and taught me what that meant. And my grandmother is a profound example of what it is to love God. Behind my mother, and there she is, she's so precious, behind my mother... She is the one woman who has passed on this legacy of godliness. She taught me how to truly live a life after God. Um, My grandmother, she has modeled faithfulness to me and her commitment to the Lord. You know, I remember being with her in her home, spending summers with her, and I remember conversations with her. And she would take time every day just to be alone with God, to talk with God. And I took great, great comfort in knowing that she prayed for me. I mean, she prayed about the things that probably seemed so small to others in my life. And she prayed about things that she foresaw in my life, maybe um, struggled that I was going through that I didn't even realize at the time. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, She is a woman of godly character. Her actions and her words line up with godliness, with the word of God. Um, Her love for people... Wow, her love for people is genuine. It is sacrificial. Um, She gives of herself to the point that it's a sacrifice for her to show love to people. And it's contagious. When you're around her, you just want to be more like her. And I love that about my grandmother. Um, Her example to me taught me how to know God, how to walk with God, and how to serve him daily. She passed it on to me. And grandparents, you may be here today, and you have dropped that baton with your own children, and now you have grandchildren. And you think, I want to pass this on, but it seems impossible. Grandparent, hold on. You may have dropped it with your children, but you can pass on a godly legacy to your grandchildren. It's not too late. It's not impossible. God can do it for your family, and you can start a new legacy that'll make a difference for the generations to come. And parents, you may be here today, and you're saying, 
I have not received this godly legacy. I don't even know what it looks like. I don't even know where to start. How do I live for God? How do I pass this on to my children? And today, I would encourage you to get committed to church. Surround yourself with people who have a desire to live for God. Get involved in a ministry where you can pour yourself into other people's lives and learn from those who are living for him. Um, Join a community group. That's a great way to be with people who are on this journey to become closer to God. I just encourage you, do whatever it takes to surround yourself with people who want to live like God. Living for God, you can pass it on. Number two, love like God. John 15, 12 says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. God is the greatest example of ultimate love. We could search the whole world and beyond and never find a love greater than God. When we love like God, our kids and the next generation, they get a glimpse into who God is. And they learn and begin to understand how God loves. It is a powerful, powerful lesson for our children. My parents, they modeled God's love to me throughout my childhood, and I can remember so many instances when they specifically chose to show God's love to me. Now, one of those I vividly remember. Um, I was in a place in my life where I was dealing with some personal issues that resulted in private rebellion, and as Ephesians 5 tells us in the Bible, your sin will be brought to the light. And friends... I am telling you, my sin was brought into the light in a major way. And I remember in that moment thinking, my life is over. I can remember crying and and feeling like there was no hope. And I remember thinking, God, I've let you down. I've disappointed my parents. I have no future. My life is over. My parents, they should probably just disown me. And I actually thought I should just run away from home. Because in my teenage experience, in my short time on this earth, I could not see any light at the end of the tunnel. I knew my life was over. And in fact, I remember thinking to myself, I am not worthy of love right now. And I don't expect love from my parents or God. But you know what? Despite the fact that I let my parents down, when they could have condemned me and made me feel lower than low, they chose to love me like God. My parents, they corrected my wrong. They forgave me for what I did. They encouraged me to move forward in my life instead of self-pity. And they guided me back on track with God. When they could have made me feel my worst, they picked me up and they showed me God's love. And that was a huge, huge lesson for me. Well, now I am a mother to four children. And I am passionate about passing on that legacy of love to my own children. And, you know, as we read scripture, it models God's love to us. And when I read 1 Corinthians 13, that gives us a description of God's love. And when I get to the part where it talks about patience, I have to say, really, God? You know, I always had considered myself a very patient person until I had four little kids. And now it seems that almost every day I find myself struggling with these impatient moments. You know, have you been there, moms? 
And so, in fact, a couple of Sundays ago, the kids and I were getting ready for church. And Sunday mornings at my house, it's kind of like a tornado has gone through my house. It's just like nonstop action, and I don't know where things are landing. And we are just trying to get out of the house in one piece to get to church by 9 o'clock. Because mommy doesn't want to miss the worship. And so this Sunday morning, we're eating breakfast, and one of the cups of juice spills over. Now, I just take a breath because this happens every day. Every day. So I clean up the juice, and as we're getting ready to go get dressed, another cup spills onto the floor, splashing up on the refrigerator and all over the kitchen. And I just want to say, what? Were you not paying attention? But I didn't, and we clean it up. And so we get ready to go and get ready, and all of a sudden, I hear screaming in the living room over a fight over I can't remember what, probably a toy or a game, but parents, you know. And so I go and referee and You know, the situation is figured out. And as I'm leaving to go get the clothes, I see that my little son, Case, my one-year-old, who has a way of getting into everything, found a box of cereal in the cupboard and decided to go in the living room and pour it all over the living room carpet. Okay, you can imagine. My my patience was like this much left at this point. And I say, you know what? I'm just not even going to deal with it. We can save that for after church. We'll vacuum when we get home. And so I say, okay, everybody, we have five minutes. Let's go. Five minutes. Clothes on, shoes on, let's go. And so all of a sudden, surprise, we can't find the shoe. Church, we have still not found that shoe. I don't know where that shoe went, but it is gone. And so at that point, I said, okay, just get a different pair of shoes. We're going. So I'm grabbing the diaper bag, and I'm grabbing my purse, and the kids are already headed through the garage, and I hear little mama in the garage screaming, Mommy! Case is in the aisle! What? What did you just say? I'm like, slow down, Karis. I walk into the garage... And little Kaser is crying in the middle of the garage. He had slipped and fallen in a puddle of motor oil that just recently found its place on the garage floor. So at that point, you can imagine, I am thinking, okay. (laughs) Mommy's not going to make it to worship. I'm just, I'm not going to make it. In fact, maybe we shouldn't go to church today. You know, after everything that's happened today, I think maybe we should not go to church today. But we went to church. And we made it, and we had a wonderful time worshiping, and I made it home to clean up the mess in the living room. But you know, parents, in that moment, my impatience was building and building, and I just wanted to scream to my kids, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. (laughs) Have you been there? Okay, I've never really said that to my kids, but I thought it, but I've never said it. But it's in that moment that my flesh, it just wants to just get out all the pressure and the stress, and I just want to take it out on somebody, you know? But in those moments, I think about the legacy of love that was given to me. And more than anything, I think about, I want to have the character of God. I want to love like God. And I want my kids to know what God's love feels like. I want them to get a glimpse of it from me on this earth. And friends, we can be an extension of God's love on this earth. We can give the next generation a glimpse into what God's love feels like, and they will want to love like God too. A legacy of love, you can pass it on. Point number three, 
Last with God. Second Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Notice it says, I have fought. I have finished. I have kept. If we are going to last with God, it requires us to take action. You know, life is going to bring challenges, but we can stand firm, we can hold tight, and we can finish this race with God. And this reminds me of Sarah. If you look in the Bible in Genesis chapters 12 through 22, it tells us the story of Sarah. And Sarah was this amazingly beautiful woman. In fact, she was so beautiful that the ancient rulers and the kings fell in love with her. And I can just imagine her life today. Can you just imagine her, the paparazzi following her around with their cameras, you know, and they're trying to get the latest picture to put on the current tabloid. And I can just see the headings. Sarah, the king is in love with her beauty. Or Sarah, desperate, heartbroken, wanting to have a child. Or Sarah, Her husband sleeps with her maidservant, Hagar, and has a child. You see, Sarah longed to have a child. She wanted to be a mother, but she was barren, unable to have children. And God had given her husband, Abraham, a promise. And he had said to him, you are going to have many descendants, and you are going to be the father of many nations. But can you imagine that this seemed a little unbelievable to Sarah, the woman who was barren? But Sarah prayed, and she trusted God, and she believed. And yet, year after year after year, she was still without child. And it was during this time that God gave her husband Abraham a specific promise, saying, You will have a son. Well, Sarah laughed at this thought. I mean, imagine in their old age, she thought, Lord, now after all this time, we are old. We are tired. But she trusted and she prayed. Well, the time came around and Sarah decided, I'm going to help God out. I'm going to help make God's promise happen. And so Sarah told her husband, Abraham, she said, Abraham, I think that you should sleep with my maidservant, Hagar, and have a child. And that way, I will have a family. Now, ladies, let me ask you. Would you ask your husband to sleep with another woman so you could have a child? Not me. But Sarah did. And Abraham agreed. And Abraham took Hagar as his wife. And together, they had a child. And that child was named Ishmael. But despite Sarah's plans, things did not turn out like she had planned. And instead of embracing Hagar, and instead of embracing Ishmael as family, she despised them. And now she was a woman, still without child. Her husband had slept with another woman, and she felt alone, and she was in pain. And you can imagine that at this point in her life, she could have taken her baton and dropped it and said, God, that is enough. I cannot take any more. It has been too long. I have waited for your promise, and it hasn't happened. My husband has slept with another woman, and now I am in pain. And my desire for a child 
is left unanswered. God, it's enough. But Sarah, she didn't do that. She held on to her baton. She lasted with God. And because of her faithfulness, 25 years after the promise, at the age of 90 years old, Sarah gave birth to her son, Isaac. And it was through that family genealogy that Christ came. Sarah lasted. She held on to God. Despite the obstacles, despite the trials and the pain, she persevered. She took action. And like Sarah, my grandmother is finishing her race. My grandma has faced many, many obstacles. She was born into a family of great dysfunction, not knowing her father. Her childhood was marked with pain and so many unanswered questions. People would not have expected her life to amount to anything. But my grandmother took her broken life and she gave it to God. And she married my grandfather when she was 16 years old. And together they started a godly legacy that has literally changed the world. Imagine if my grandmother, through all the challenges and all the trials of her life, said, God, it's enough. Imagine if she dropped her baton when she was on her deathbed with polio not forgiving God for this sickness. What if she had said, God, it's enough, when she was experiencing unbearable and unimaginable family pain? What if she said, I can't deal anymore, I'm through? But she didn't. My grandmother lasted. My grandmother held on to her legacy, and she passed it down to her three children who love God, who know God. And two of her daughters are in full-time ministry, both marrying pastors and committing their lives to making an impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what if my grandmother had dropped her baton Her grandchildren would not know this legacy of godliness. Three of us are in full-time ministry, pouring our hearts into the community. Other of my cousins are committed to their churches, serving. And the most beautiful part of this picture is that now her legacy is being passed on to the fourth generation. And now my kids know what it is to love God. They know what it is to know God and to serve God. And I pray that my children will pass that legacy of godliness to their children. And that through our family legacy, the world will be changed. That it will be a different place for the sake of God. And today, you may be here like my grandmother, like she was before she gave her life to Christ. You may feel alone, without God. You may be a one-person relay team trying to run this race of life all by yourself. And you may feel like life has already disqualified you. There is nothing left for you. But I encourage you today, like my grandmother, you can pick up your baton and you can commit your life to God and you can change the legacy of your family and your family can change the world. 
or like Sarah today, you may be saying, the struggle is too much. The challenges are too much. But like Sarah, you can last with God. You can say, I'm going to persevere. Maybe today you are a single parent and you are struggling to keep it all together. You feel alone. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like you don't know what your future holds. But parent, today I encourage you, God knows you. He knows what you're going through. Pick up the baton. Let him pass to you everything he has for you and your family. You can start a legacy of godliness with your children. And maybe today, that grandparent who's raising your children and you're tired and you feel like you can't carry on, God has more for you still. God has more for your family yet. Hold tight to that legacy of godliness. Hold tight to that baton and finish your race. Or maybe you're like me today when I was a teenager and you're trying to run this race with God and you're trying to keep on track with God, but distractions keep coming in the way and they keep bombarding you and people are telling you what you should do and society is telling you who you should be and you're letting those distractions disqualify you in your race with God. But let love, God's love put you back on track. Like my parents loved me back on track. Let God's love pick you up and put you back on track with him. Friends, we can persevere. We can finish our race and we can live for God and we can love like God and we can know God. Let's pray. Lord, today, Father, I pray that